so big, you're so great. You never leave us, never forsake us.
higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome and power. Our God, our God. Yes, God, you're so great. I just worship you, Father. You're great and worthy to be praised.
of you but you see the old things are passed away and now new things are coming new things are coming personally new things are coming in this body of believers so I'm telling you this is a time for change it's not the time to stay the old same way you were but it's time to let my Holy Spirit work in you It's time to get passionate about my things. And as you get passionate about my things, I'll get passionate about your things. So know this. You've entered into a brand new place. You have not been here before. This is new. This is a change you haven't felt. This is something you haven't known. But I say embrace what I'm doing. Just embrace it and learn as you go. You don't have to know the beginning from the end. That's my job. So you just, just relax and just take in what I'm doing in you. Hallelujah. Father, I, I thank you for this, this body that's here. These are the people that really want to worship you, that really are committed to you. So I thank you for each and every one of them. And I thank you, God, that as the word goes forth tonight, it will just be planted, planted, that you'll plant it, God. And they won't be able to uproot it at all. It will flourish and grow in the things that you're doing. And I just thank you now for each and every person in Jesus' name. Amen. So I guess I'm it tonight, aren't I? There isn't any. Where are all the other people? Don't even have Pastor Sean. I guess, are the kids dismissed? Yeah. Pastor Sean's teaching. So kids, if you're supposed to go somewhere, you can go. I guess you can meet and greet. I didn't tell you that. Maybe you can't get up. Are you too tired? (laughs) I guess you know Pastor Eric has landed yesterday. Amen. I think I was about wanting him to get home as bad as Shelly was, but um, maybe for different reasons. I am I'm very thankful that that he went and he had such a a great time. But you know it's it's almost like he went to the other end of the world. And and he won't be the same. You can't be. Um He'll be here Sunday by the way. So you won't have
Pastor Sean or me or Linda or or David or who else was it? You've had a lot of different people. Oh, you had uh, Angela even. I saw part of that. I was trying to watch it in New Mexico and my computer didn't 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 behave itself. Okay. Wow. So I'm doing the offering and I'm doing the <laughs> I'm doing the prophetic word and um I'm doing the announcements. Are there any announcements? School starting soon? What are you doing? Huh? Good. Um, when does school start? Tuesday. Okay. Boy, summer is done. Are you glad or not? You're glad? Okay. I can imagine the... The parents saying, yes, get these kids in school. So, um, oh, really? What was your picture in the paper about? He doesn't know. Climbing the ladder. Getting somebody's house. Okay. Yeah, Terry. So, um, it's time for tithes and offerings. Um, I want to thank you for all you did for Pastor Shelley. She got a great birthday offering. You all are just awesome is all I know to say. You just de- reach down when there isn't anything there and you get something and put it in anyway. So, um, so I'll just pray over the tithes and offerings. Father, I just thank you for every little penny, every little dime quarter, every 50 cent, every dollar, every hundred dollars, 200, 300, 400, every thousand, whatever, God. I thank you that you, God, have built this church and you are causing it to flourish. And so I thank you for each and every person that's here, that as they give, God, it's given back to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You'll cause men to give into their bosom. So thank you, Lord, for blessing us as we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and give. Where were you at? I just said that. He landed yesterday in Tulsa, and um, he's he and Shelley are hiding out. But they'll be here Sunday. You get to stay in here, Kelly. on my stuff. It's okay. I, I took it out.
okay. Boy, I've got a whole hour. What do you think about that? <laughs> I promise I promise, I won't take that much. Because I've, uh, Pastor Shelley said, you know, Wednesday night you don't need that much. So, right? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> she thinks we do carpet time. Hmm. Well, the title of my message is, Are You Resting or Striving? Hmm. Psalm 37, says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. There it is. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. In other words, don't pay any attention to what's going on in the world. You get to wait patiently for God. Isn't that easy? (laughs) How many of you do that? You know, I read this to Jerry and I said, do you think anybody does this? Well, I hope you're going to. So I, I thought about this sermon. I thought, well, what is God doing in me? You know, usually it's, it's good if you if you teach about something that God's doing in you, what is he bringing to me with his grace through faith? How many of you got that Sunday? Here's <laughs> one did. Here's grace and here's faith. It only comes this way. It only comes through faith. Everything you get from God comes by grace through faith. By grace. We've left out the grace part. It comes by grace. So ask for his grace. You know, everyone's on a different level. You know, if we, if we had a little barometer, that's not the word, that would, would, would check each one of you and show where you are spiritually, we'd all be different. And, you know, there are some that have found God and left. There are some that have gotten weary in their walk, and so they're not walking, they're sitting. There are some that have found God's way and and his path for them, and they're walking in it. There are some that um, have strayed, and now they're back. You know, there's just all kinds. And besides that, you know, if we were to measure the word... In each one of us, it would be different, right? Well, if you got a little bit of word in there, that's good, because the Holy Spirit can bring that to your mind. You know, some, some people are believing for finances, some are believing for healing, some are believing for restored relationships. You know, it just goes on and on, doesn't it? And... You know, I make a list of things that I ask for God. Does anybody else make a list? You know what God does? He gives me everything on my list. He doesn't do it all at once, but I kind of check them off as we go. And, you know, I happen to know that we serve a big God, and I have a big list. So, Matthew eleven twenty eight. I read this Sunday, but it's just so good. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find 
What? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a scripture you can curl up and live in. You know, come unto me, you who are weary. Is there anybody weary here tonight? Oh, so I've got some amens here. You know, Wednesday nights are different because you've usually been at work and you're tired, right? So you don't want me to talk all night, do you? How many of you are heavy laden? Do you know what that means? That means you have a big old bag of stuff that you're carrying around. You're carrying around cares and troubles and concerns, aren't you? Well, is that what you're supposed to do? This says, if you come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That means you're carrying a whole lot of stuff that you're not supposed to be carrying. Jesus said he wants to give you rest. Now, let me give you a little clue about this. You have to stop what you're carrying to rest. So as long as you're carrying it, you're going to get to carry it. You've got to stop, hand it over to Jesus, and rest. That's when you get rest. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now listen to this. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I often think of, you know, I like to fish a little bit. So you you get your all of this stuff, this junk that you're carrying around, and you put it in a little bag, you hook it onto your hook, and you cast it over onto the Lord. And he wants it. He really does. He says his burden is light. That means it isn't heavy. So what's the matter with us that we just hang on to this stuff? Why, why do we do that? You're not answering me. Hmm? Oh, she's controlling. You know, that's exactly right. We kind of want to do it our way. And that's basically what I preached about Sunday. Are you resting in his grace while your faith brings things from the unseen to the seen? Psalm 116, 7 said, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And Hebrews 4, 8 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. How many of you are working hard? Working for God, working for God, working for God. Let's do this and let's do that and let's do this and let's do that. How many of you are doing that? Is anybody doing that? I know you are. I know we are. We get kind of confused with law and grace, don't we? Have you ever asked God to just use you in a mighty way? Are you trying to do things for God? Do you want to use every little ability you've got for him? Most of us prayed these things, but these things are what the Bible calls flesh. You're not going to like this, are you? God's purpose for us is to bring us to a place where we rest in his sufficiency. Now, I'm, I'm preaching this, but I'm telling you this is harder to do than, than what it sounds like coming out of my mouth. Most Americans believe that 
God helps those who help themselves. Have you ever heard that? That is not a Christian saying. Not at all. From the Grace Walk, I found the New Testament model of a Christian is not one who dedicates his work for God. Here's what we do. You know, you, you get a sermon up, you say, God, anoint this thing, bless this. But maybe you didn't even ask God what you needed to preach. Maybe you didn't even get one little scripture from him, but you got it all ready. Now, I didn't do that, okay? But, but do you think that happens? Or maybe it was already what they call canned, you know? You, you are told that you'll preach on this this day, and here's the sermon. Well, praise God, we don't do that that way. I don't know how I got off on that. <laughs> okay. It isn't one who dedicates his own work to God. It's the story of God himself doing the work through a totally yielded vessel. I think we've missed it. I, I really do. I, and I know, we, I know we, we have to get up off of our can and, and do things, yes. But, you know, there's such a thing as leaning on God, trusting him. Do you think he knows what needs to be done? Yeah, I think so. I was told of a young man who worked in a nursing home. It was his senior year of high school. And part of his responsibility was to lift the men up and place them in their bed at night. And so um, he, one evening he went into a man's room to help him get into bed. And this man weighed about 200 pounds. And the young man weighed about 130. But he was trained to lift the patient. He, he knew what to do. He was taught how to position himself in front of the wheelchair and place his hands under the man's arms with the man's legs on each side of his knees. Now you picture that. Then he would lift the patient and swing him around and put him in bed. Now, this usually worked well, but not this time. When he had the man up, and he was about halfway between the chair and the bed, the man decided he would help the teen. And so, he decided to stand up, but that wasn't what happened. He stiffened his body like a wooden plank, and his feet shot out in front of him, and he began to struggle. And the young man said, relax. I'm holding your weight. Just let me do it. Do you know God's saying that right now? Relax. I'm holding your weight. Just let me do it. Would you quit struggling? Well, the man fell to the floor. And needless to say, he would not let that kid have anything to do with him again. How many of you fall to the floor because you helped God, it didn't work out like you wanted, and you're blaming God about it? Just like he blamed the young man who really knew what to do, but, but he tried to help. Abraham and Sarah. You all know the story, so I'm not going to read it. He's the father of faith, right? When Abraham heard that he and Sarah were going to have a son, they were tremendously excited. I mean, after all, he's waited a long time. But the years passed, and Sarah still didn't have a child. They decided to help God. Can't you just hear Sarah saying, God... God said, we're going to have a son, but maybe we've been looking at this all wrong. Maybe we should do something that we know to do and let God finish it up. Let him do the rest. She suggested Abraham lie with her handmaid and bring forth the promised son. Was that what God said? 
No, it was not. God said the son would come from Sarah. Did Abraham say, no, no, we're not going to do that. Absolutely not. We're not going to do that. No, he didn't do that. He said, okay. So he took the handmaid and he slept with her. And she bore him a son called Ishmael. God said the son of promise would come through Sarah. And it would come in God's timing. And over the years, they forgot what God said. Well, did this fix everything? No, Sarah and Abraham were sincere. They wanted to help God, but they made a total mess of things. So even now we have ongoing conflict between the Arabs and the Jews, all because Abraham and Sarah thought that God would bless their efforts to help you know, it's kind of in, inside us. We want to rely on what we got, you know. And, and even if you don't have much, you still want to rely. I mean, it just it's kind of innate in us. We, we want to do it ourselves. Did you ever have a kid too, you know? I want to do it myself. That's the way, actually, um, mine is three, but... She still wants to do, you know, they want to get dressed. They want to put their shoes on. And even if they put the shoes on the wrong feet or whatever, they want to do it themselves. If we've sincerely prayed for God to use us, then do you think he needs our help and how? You know, and I'm guilty of that. I mean, I want to help him just a little bit. God, you know, I'd like to see signs, wonders, and miracles every single time. And he just doesn't even answer me. You know, I know that's coming. I know that I know that I know that's coming. God isn't interested in what we do for him. He's interested in living his life through us. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do anything. What you do is just, uh, it's just an outgrowth of your relationship with God. And you do it then because you want to, not because you have to. This is the difference between law and grace. Law says, Lord, help me to do things you want me to do. Help me to keep your law. And grace says, Lord Jesus, I'm abiding in you and you're abiding in me. Express your life through me however you want to. Can you say that? Can you do that? You know, the spirit is the core of our being. And it's at this spirit level that God made us righteous on the cross. Romans 6, 6 says, Your old evil desires were nailed to the cross with Jesus. Did you know that? Did you get that? Your old evil desires were nailed to the cross with Jesus. That part of you that loves to sin was crushed and fatally wounded. Did you know that? Do we act like that? So that your sin-loving body is no longer under sin's control. It no longer needs to be a slave to sin. Well, isn't that good news? Now, our old nature was put to death with Jesus at the cross. But there is another obstacle. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed another obstacle? If, if our old man is gone, dead, and sin is taken care of, then what makes us act up, act wrong, do things we shouldn't? While the old man is dead, the flesh is still an enemy to be reckoned with every day. The flesh is using the techniques we use to meet our needs. 
You know, we get some things figured out. I'm going to do it this, this, and this way, and it'll work. All of us have flesh patterns. We've learned specific techniques in them. Until we get it through our head that Christ is our life, and our lifestyle needs to have no fleshly behavior pattern, then we will not succeed. One way we know we're in the flesh is if our spiritual life is up here one day and it's down here the next. That lets you know that your flesh is involved. Maybe you didn't want to know that. One way we get into the flesh is that our spirit... Oh, I said that. If you don't have a proper understanding of how flesh operates, then walking in victory will never happen. Are you one who's close to God when, you know, you're doing something? You know, maybe you're teaching a class and you're really close to God. You're studying every day and uh, you're getting prepared. Maybe it's once a week, whatever. And um, you're, you really feel close to God. Then you get through teaching and you don't feel close to God. You know, that, that is, we got manic, depressive Christians That is just crazy. Christ lives inside of you. You can't get away from him. You can't get far away. You may feel like you're far away, but you're not. And you may feel really close, and you're really in the flesh close, but you feel close. If Christ is always in us and we're in him, how can we get any closer than that? So how do we get the victorious life we want? It's nothing less than the life of Christ expressed through his sons and daughters. Any behavior, I know you won't like this. I don't think I like it either. Any behavior that is not dependent on Jesus living his life through us comes from the flesh. Ooh. That suggests that it's even possible to be busy doing things for God and our motive is fleshly. The exchange life means we depend on his resources. Flesh life means I depend on my resources. Religious serving God may cause you to be pleased with yourself and it might leave you emotionally and spiritually drained You know, many Christians today are totally exhausted because they think it's all just serving God. They just got to keep going, keep going. They got to do this and that, and they got to do something every day and every night because they're trying to earn what God has already given them freely. Actually, the Christian life is mainly a life of intimacy with God. Well, I told you a story Sunday, and I'm going to tell you another story. Do you like my stories? These kind of give you a, a glimpse of of us, I guess. So in 1968, I was... Now, that wasn't that long ago, you guys. I was looking to graduate from college. I had a husband and three children... I had taken correspondence. I'd gone to night school, to summer school. And now I had enrolled for my last semester, and I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was one happy camper. I was about to get my college degree in elementary education. I was doing my student teaching in the Sealing Public Schools. And I had to take one correspondence course to have 124 hours. That was the hardest course I ever took. Have you ever taken a correspondence course? You don't know beans about what they want. You just have to guess at it, you know? You don't get to sit in the class and hear what he says, but you get to answer all the questions about it. This was out of Oklahoma State University, Stillwater, and my professor lectured every week, and they knew what was going on. 
But I had to read all the books and report back what I hoped he was saying. I did, but I didn't make such a good grades. I mean, I made C's and B's. That really wasn't what I'd been making because I needed to be in the class. I took, I took the final in Weatherford, and I remember this so well. They handed me that, that paper, and it was like one, one sentence. And I wrote 12 pages. I told them everything I knew or even thought I knew. And um, now here I am at ceiling, and it's two weeks till graduation. So I asked my teacher in charge of me, I said, um, you know, we didn't have cell phones, so I couldn't go dial him up. I had to go in and use the office phone and call the office in Stillwater. And his office told me that... I had failed the final. If you fail the final, you fail the course. Do you know what that meant? Two weeks before graduation, and I didn't have enough credits to graduate without this course. My teacher in charge sent me home because I was a basket case. I mean, here I am with teaching fifth grade, and I'm just boohooing all over the place. I am some upset. So I, I, I go home. We lived at Tologa. I immediately went to the Tologa school because Pastor Jerry was the superintendent there. And would you believe he was having a board meeting in the morning of a, of a school day? What on earth could you be having a board meeting at that time? I mean, if I ever needed him, I needed him. There he comes. <laughs> well, he came out and talked to me, and uh, he said, you know, I'll, I'll be home when I can get there. So I went home. Have you ever just been... The whole, everything in life just kind of got taken out from under you. Well, let me tell you what I did. I was not baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I didn't have any prayer language. Didn't even know anything about it for that matter. But I was a Christian. And so I leaned hard on God. And here's what I did. I walked the floor for two hours, and I said, help God, help. Oh, God, help. God, help me. Oh, help me. God, help me. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. Help, 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 help. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God. And I was crying all the time and just saying, help me, help me, help me. Help me, help me, help me. You know, I believe God must hear those kind of prayers. Well, after two hours, I was wrung out. And I thought, well, I'll just call. I'll just call again and talk to the to the professor and give him my side of the story. And so I called and got him on the phone. Is that not a miracle? I mean, at one o'clock he he should have been in class, but he was in his office and he answered the phone and I talked to him. And he said, um, he said, yes, you failed the test. He said, I, I know you really tried, so I'm going to give you a D minus instead of an F. Now, do you know a D minus is passing? <laughs> I was so happy. You would have thought he gave me an A+. Plus. That's the only D- minus I have on my transcript, but I know how I got it. And God gave it to me, actually. Wow. Wow. You know, I'd spent 11 years 
having children, taking care of my husband and children in the household, and still managing to go to school. And two weeks later, I walked across that stage, and I received my diploma, but it had a special deep meaning that only I could understand. God had come through for me. You know, I, I believe that's the first miracle I ever know that God really did for me. And I, I used to tell that story, and I would just cry buckets every time I told it. I mean, it's been a while since 1968. But, you know, I just want you to know, God wants us to lean on him all the time. You know, so you don't have to do what I did. You don't have to just, um, what would you say? You don't have to be passionate about it you can just lean on him each day as you go right god wants to meet our needs did you know that i don't know what would have happened if i hadn't gone home and walked the floor and cried out to god for help but i don't think it would have ended good You know, human energy and human efforts burn out, but the life of Christ will never burn out. The only remedy for our flesh is walking in the Spirit. And you know what that is? It's resting in Christ's sufficiency. I know it sounds good, hard to do. If I told you that a man jumped off a 10-story building, would it, occur you, would it occur to you to say, did he fall? No. That question would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But any man who jumps off a building will fall because of the consistency of the law of gravity. And the only way he wouldn't fall is if a greater law took effect. For instance, if he were in a hang glider, he would not fall because the law of aerodynamics would supersede the law of gravity. Now, the law of gravity is not suspended. It's overcome by a greater law. Flesh will always respond to the law of sin and death. But abiding in Christ will cause us to experience the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus which enables us, this is the greater law, and it, it, it overpowers the law of sin and death. We cannot take any credit when we win over the flesh because God is just handing you the victory. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. At times, I think we experience the struggle of sin and death. But as we understand this truth, we can see that struggle as a red flag. God doesn't want us to struggle. He wants us to rest in him. Take your eyes off yourself. Place your full attention on Christ. As you move from performance to the grace walk, you'll find it isn't necessary to be obsessed with all your attitudes and actions. And the Holy Spirit within you will call your attention to anything that needs to be changed. Did you know that? He's just standing here waiting to change you. And believe me, he knows every little thing that needs changed. But what do we do? We want to do it ourselves, right? When the power of God is the grace of God, the grace empowers us. As you would yield your, those areas in your life to him, now listen to me, he will change them for you. See, we strive, don't we? We strive, strive, strive. And he's just standing here saying, oh, if they just quit it, if they just walk over here and come to me, I would just take care of everything that, she, that they're worried about. 
Everything else will take care of itself when you rest in Christ. What a joy and a relief. It isn't a passive lifestyle, but it is peaceful. On the grace walk, we've been misled by religion, but God is now showing the body of Christ all about his grace and walking in it. You know, life isn't a test. It's a rest. The test has already been given, and we've received a perfect score because Jesus took the test for us. It's a walk of grace. Isn't it amazing? He will do whatever needs to be done. Now that is grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's quit striving. And you know, I'm preaching this to me just as well as you all. So how many of you have been striving? Just four of you? Five of you? Six of you? Seven, eight. Okay. So if you've been striving, I want you to come up here. And I don't know what I'm going to do, so we'll find out. Shorty, you are tall. <laughs> Goodness. Well, we've got a lot of strivers around here, don't we? <laughs> hmm. Well, you're the honest ones anyway. Are y'all being honest back there? <laughs> now, I want you to take three steps forward and turn and face the other way. Talking about me over there, harder. Mm. No, no whipping. No whipping. 